0: May be seated. How I many know the Bible says that <clears throat> they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth? When God leads us, when God directs us as He's doing in this local congregation, He does so through His spirit and through the truth of His word. Oh, hallelujah. You believe that? Amen. Thank you for those of you that were here on Tuesday. I told um, I told somebody that that was in the top three prayer meetings I've been in my life. There was something that happened in this room that on Tuesday you you felt the shift in the spirit. I mean, you physically could feel the Lord elevating this church. It was a powerful thing. Spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. And so, um, I do believe that the Lord would want me to continue speaking tonight, teaching tonight on uh, what he's been talking to us about these last several days. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The last several days days, last several weeks we've been in a series, Let Your Light Shine. The last week or so there has been a, a specific uh, direction and understanding and revelation given to us by the Lord concerning the fact that in order for this local body of believers to be positioned properly to see the harvest that He has promised to us, then we as a church much must get to a place of greater repentance, greater repentance. And I feel it and I sense it in this room. I sense it in this room. You see, you would, have, you, you would have thought that in order for us to see a greater harvest in the context of the worlds in which we live, the world in which we live, that the Lord would have first spoken to us about what to do and what to say in order to get those who are lost to repent. If he's talking to us about harvest, if he's talking to us about revival, if he's talking to us about you know all of these things and growing the church and packing this place out, you you would have you made it, you you maybe would have thought that he would have spoken to us about what we're to say to the sinners in order to get them to repent. But the first thing that he's talking to us about before he ever tells us how to speak to the unchurched and the lost about their need to repent, the first thing he talks to us about is the church's need to repent, for the church to get to a place of true and meaningful, heartfelt, sincere, broken repentance before God. Why? Because repentance puts us in that place that we've been talking about for several weeks now. That, that spiritual place of submission and that spiritual place of obedience to God and obedience to his word where then in that place we can see what he wants us to see. We can encounter what he wants us to encounter. We can be used in the harvest like he desires for us to be used in the harvest. And so that's why I've encouraged you these last several weeks. I hope you understand and I hope you see and I believe many of us do that there is a divine move of the Holy Ghost in our church right now. You need, need, and I know I'm somewhat preaching to the choir right now, but you need to do whatever you can do to make sure you're in the house of God to hear what the voice of the Lord is saying, to hear what he is trying to speak to us about. This is not church as usual. This is not just Thursdays and Sundays. I want us to get our mindset set with an understanding that God is speaking to us and God is leading us and God is directing us because he wants us to see what he has promised for years. Does anybody believe that? The book would say it like this. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There is a place of effectiveness in the kingdom of God, am I right? There is a place where you can operate in in that obedient place, that submitted place where you are going to be the most effective you can possibly be for the kingdom of God. But how many know our sin, as the word of the Lord is telling us, our sin, our iniquity will take us away from that place. We cannot have unconfessed sin and stay in the place of effectiveness in the kingdom of God. We cannot have unrepented sin and stay in the place of effectiveness in the kingdom of God. Because our sin takes us away. It takes us as, as that dark wind of sin blows us away from that place of effectiveness in the kingdom. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot say, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Verse 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. God is not the one that we're waiting on in order to see our promised revival. Because my Bible says his hand is not short. He will save. He will hear. He will do what he needs to do and he's already done it at the cross but he'll do everything that he promised us that he would do. The issue is not God. The issue is my sin. The issue is our sin has caused us to be separated from him to some extent. How many know sin is a wedge between us and God? Sin separates us from the things of God. Our sin separates us from that place of obedience. Our sin separates us from that place of submission, that place of holiness, that place of righteousness. And when we are separated from that place that God desires for us to be and where he wants us to get to, then it is impossible for us to see him like we should see him. He hides his face from us. We can't see him. We can't know him. We can't understand what he's doing and what he wants to do. Why? Because our sin has separated us from that place. It's not that God can't touch. It's not that God can't hear. It's not that God can't bless. It's not that God can't release and can't pour out. He absolutely can and he absolutely will. He just can't do it for a people who allow their sin to keep them from that place. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. This is the Holy Ghost talking to us now. But how many know that when we get our sins dealt with and when we get our sins repented of and when we get our sins covered over by the blood of Jesus Christ that it then puts us in that place of submission and obedience and honesty and righteousness before God. And when we get to that place, we come face to face with him. Oh hallelujah. And we can see his face and we can feel his direction and we can get an understanding and he hears us and he hears our cries and he hears the hunger of our hearts for the greater things of harvest and the greater things of revival when we get our sins dealt with. Somebody said amen. I referenced it on Sunday but David understood Psalmist David understood what God was talking about. I got a few things we need to say tonight. I'll try to do so speedily. When he wrote this in Psalms 139 and 19, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. He's talking about sinners and the unchurched and unsaved people. Am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with the perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Verse 23, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the life everlasting, in the way everlasting. I want you to notice, this is so important, that in response to the wickedness of the world, David begins to pray for God to search his own heart. He does not say God judge the world. He does not say God release conviction upon the world. He says God judge me first. God release conviction upon my heart first. God, before you show the world what's wrong with them, I want you to show me what's wrong with me. Come on, if there's gonna be a revival of repentance in our world, there must first be a revival of repentance in the church. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. There has to be a revival of repentance in the church first. I said it, I'll say it again. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, ready, and turn from their wicked ways. Whose wicked ways? The church. He says, my people, my people. He said, if my people will turn from their wicked ways, well, I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and then I'll be released to heal the land that they live in. Come on, a real revival of repentance in our world is only going to be brought about because there's a revival of repentance in the church. When the church says, I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. When the church says, I'm going to repent of my wicked ways. Then God says, if the church is doing it, now I'm released to move in the world. Now I'm released to heal their neighborhoods. Now I'm released to heal their coworkers and their unsafe family members and their unsafe friends. Oh, it wasn't anything the friend did or the family member did or the coworker did. It was something the church folks did because they repented and released me to work in their land. <laughs> Judgment begins at the house of God. Look at the next verse, though, 2 Chronicles 7 15. Well, I hear from heaven, I forgive their sin and will heal their land. Verse 15 Now mine eyes shall be open. God speaking, now my eyes shall be open. And my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. This is what he's talking to us about. There's a place that he wants us to get to where he's trying to lead us to. Now I understand in context of 2 Chronicles 7.15 that it's referencing the temple. But how many know we are the temple of the Holy Ghost? So when you and I turn from our wicked ways and when you and I repent of our sin and when you and I get our hearts right with God like we've never got them right with God before, it releases God to turn his eyes upon us and to tune his ears to that which we are truly hungry for. And that is when harvest becomes a reality. And that is when God is released to begin doing what he has promised. Oh, does anybody believe what I'm preaching right now? We release God to do what He's prophesied, what He's promised to us. When we operate in that place, how do we get there? We turn from our wicked ways. We turn from our wicked ways. I mean, we can shout about promise all day long, we can shout about prophecy all day long, but until we're truly willing to turn from our wicked ways, we're never going to see it. And I'm, 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 I'm tired of talking. Brother Reema, I'm tired of talking about it. I want to see it. And I believe there's a, there's a group of people in this church. I said, I believe there's a group of people. It's not everybody, but there's a good group of people in this church that say, I want to see it too, Pastor. I'm tired of talking about it. I want to see it. I'm tired of just somebody preaching about it and shouting about it and high-fiving one about it one day, one day, one day. I'm tired of one day. I'm sick of one day. I want our day to be today. I don't want it to be next month, next year, next whatever. I believe it's the promise of God for us to see it today oh but it's not going to be easy if it were easy everybody would be experiencing it but the Lord is saying if you truly want it you'll be willing to do what I'm telling you to do you'll be willing to follow me you'll be willing to be obedient you'll be you'll be willing to be submitted to my voice and submitted to my word and turn from your wicked ways then I'll put you in that place and when you're in, in that place I'll look on you and I'll see you and my favor will rest upon you and my blessings will rest upon you and I'll hear your cry and I'll answer your prayer and I'll release a harvest in your midst. If you believe that, put your hands together giving praise right now. You know, the Bible talks about there's some hard sayings, some hard sayings. And this is just one of them. But if we want it, we're going to listen to the hard sayings. As I referenced the other day, how often is the case that when the preacher when the pastor is preaching about repentance and God's people repenting, it's one thing to come to a power Sunday, have 10 or 15 people in the house? guests and visitors and unsaved and unchurched people and pastors preaching about repentance. And we all know who he's preaching to. Come on, somebody. We all know who he's preaching to. He's preaching to the the guests and to the visitors. He's not preaching to us. I've been in church 10 years. I've been in church 20 years. How many know that those of us who not just Get real now. But how many know that those of us who have been in church for a longer period of time, sometimes if we're not careful and sensitive to the voice of God, we tune out preaching as it applies to repentance because after all, we've already repented of everything worth repenting for. I've been been in this forever. He's talking to somebody else. I've already repented of everything. So the Holy Ghost would ask us a few questions this evening. I'm going to go quick. Have we forgiven everyone? Or just most? If we haven't forgiven everyone, then I would have to say there's unforgiveness in our heart. He, he, you know, it, it's, not, it's not like um, a percentage thing that if you forgive 80% of those who've done you wrong... The Lord's like, okay, you're obedient. It's not like high school where there, you, know, you can pass with 60% or whatever. Is there malice in our hearts? Is there spite, hatred, enmity in our hearts? Do we have grudges against anybody? Do, do we have grudges against anybody? Have we refused to be reconciled with anyone over anything? Do we get angry and sin? Do we lose our tempers? Does wrath hold us in its hand from time to time? Are there feelings of jealousies in our hearts? When somebody else is preferred over us, does it make us envious, uncomfortable? Are we easily offended? Is there pride in our hearts? Do we have a pride, proud look, a proud tongue? Do we think a great deal about us, what we've accomplished, what we have? Do we often talk about us? Are we in any way, shape, or form dishonest from time to time? Do we tell ourselves it was just a little lie so it's not wrong? Do we exaggerate the truth? Do we add things to the story that didn't really happen for greater effect? Have we gossiped about other people? Do we slander people? Do we tear other people down? Do we tear the character of individuals down? Most of the time when we do that, we follow it up by saying, I'm just telling you this so we can pray for them. Do we find ourselves often in other people's business and always wanting to tell other people about other people's business? Do we criticize harshly, unlovingly, severely? Are we always finding fault in other people? Or are we looking for flaws in everybody around us? Do we rob God by not returning our tithes and offerings? Are we disobedient by not saying yes to the spirit of giving when it speaks to us? Are we allowing the spirit of mammon to rule and reign in our lives? Are we guilty of the sin of unbelief? In spite of all that he has done for us, do we still refuse to believe the promises of God? Have we committed the sin of prayerlessness? Are we intercessors for the lost and dying? Do we have a relationship with the Lord beyond Thursdays and Sundays? Have we crowded prayer out of our lives? Have we neglected God's word Are we studying to show ourselves approved of God? Do we draw daily sustenance and supply from God's word? Are our steps truly ordered of the Lord? Are we burdened for souls? Is there true compassion in our hearts for those that are lost? Is that compassion leading us to do something about it? Have we failed to confess Jesus Christ in the context of our worlds? Do we keep our mouths shut when we're surrounded by sinful people? Is our life filled more with temporal things than it is eternal things? Would our world, by our actions, consider us on their side or on God's side? Does our world know the change that God has brought in our lives? Have we wronged anyone and refused to make restitution if it's within our power to do so? Are we consumed by worry? Are we consumed by fear, anxiousness, unbelief? Are we guilty of dwelling on lustful thoughts? Do we allow our minds to dwell on impure things and unholy imaginations? Do we have anything in our home that would be displeasing to God? Do we watch the things that would be displeasing to God? Do we listen to things that would be displeasing to God? Do we dress in a manner that is displeasing to God? Do we talk in a way that would be displeasing to God? Hear me now. The Holy Ghost is wanting to lead us. He is wanting to position us in that place where we will encounter everything that he has promised for us. But in order to get there, we have to get real about the sin that is in our lives. Yes, even us church folks. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, I know we're not running the aisles tonight, and these aren't easy messages to preach, but I'll preach them all day long if it gets us to where God wants us to go because I know there's a a group of people in this church that'll listen and submit and be obedient to what thus saith the Lord. It's this subject of repentance of God's people that he's strongly dealing with us about. I want to turn... Your attention now to another passage of scripture written by the psalmist David. Psalms chapter 51 and verse 1. To the chief musician, O Psalm of David, when Nathan, the prophet, came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Remember the story, David commits adultery with this woman by the name of Bathsheba. And so now the man of God by the name of Nathan comes in and tells him, hey, you're, you're the guy and what you did was wrong and on and on and on. And so after he was confronted by the man of God, a conviction, the convicting power of God's presence rests upon him. This is how David responds. 51 verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God. Now watch now. According to thy loving kindness. Everybody say loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Everybody say tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Now the psalmist asks God here, now he's done all this wrong and he asked God, Brother David, he asked him, he said, God, would you lovingly and tenderly and mercifully deal with the sin that is in my heart? Be tender with me, O God, in, in reference to my failures, in, in reference to my fault, in reference to my iniquities, be tender with me, O God. Would you be ever so loving in how you deal with me when it comes to the unrighteousness that is in me? And how many know that this prayer is absolutely wonderful? If, if, if his tender mercies will move us to a place of true repentance. If his loving voice and his gentle correction will put us on our face in brokenness, asking God to forgive us then that's a beautiful prayer. And it's a beautiful thing to ask God. And yet, for those that have been in church for a while, it's, it's going to get quiet now. Because those of us that have been in church for a while, it seems like most of our issues, our sins, our iniquities, are not issues that his still small, loving gentle rebuke will fix. You say, what are you talking about, pastor? I'll tell you. If his tender hand could have brought us to a place of repentance for that issue that was in our life, then it would have happened a long time ago. It's quiet. If his sweet presence could have moved us to a place of brokenness in regards to that unrighteous thing that so vexes our life that it would have been dealt with years ago. So, just as you and I, if we're honest, know this truth to be a reality in our lives, so also didn't David know it to be a reality in his life? For asking God, after asking God to deal with his sin tenderly. Come on, Jesus, help us right now. After asking God to deal with his sin gently and softly, then David makes this request of the Lord. The very next verse, Psalms 51 and 2. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I've read this many times. I didn't fully understand what it meant until I began to study it out because that word wash there washed me thoroughly. David is is referencing something that is happening in the natural and he wants it to happen to him in the spiritual. And what he is referencing is how they would wash clothes in this time. As he's making this request to the Lord, I almost have to wonder if he was in a place where he could look over to the riverside and see the ladies washing the clothes. For how they would wash their clothes is they would take this stained and dirty article of clothing to the side of the river and they would get it wet and they would begin to mix it with some cleaning agent and then they would throw it on the ground and then they would step on it and they would trample it underfoot And then they would pick it up and they would find a rock somewhere and they would begin to take that cloth and they would begin to beat it against the rock until that dirt that was so embedded in that cloth would then be released from the fabric. You see, there's some stuff in the fabric, Brother Ron, there's some dirt in that fabric, that the gentle washing of gentle hands would have never got to. Come on, Jesus. There's some dirt in that fabric that just tenderly kind of massaging it a little bit. It would have never got into the depths of the fabric to where that particular dirt resided. And David knew in his heart, he knew in his heart of hearts that there was some sins that the tender mercies of God could deal with. He knew in his heart there were some sins that the gentle the gentle rebuke of the Lord could deal with and cover over and cause to be removed from his life. But he also knew that in his life there was some other sins as well. And he knew there was some of those sins that were so embedded within him that the tender mercies couldn't reach because if they could have he would have already been reached there were some other sins in his life that were so deep that were so embedded in him that the gentle nudge of God's presence wouldn't do anything to affect it why? because David knew his life like nobody else knew his life and he knew there were some deep sins he knew there were some embedded sins He knew there were some deep-rooted sins. He knew there were some entrenched sins that had been there for a long time. And knowing this, knowing this about himself, knowing this about himself, and wanting so badly to be in the place where God wanted him to be, wanting so badly to be in that place, wanting to turn from the sin Not just most of the sin, but all of the sin. Not just the sin that the tender mercies could deal with, but all of the sin. David got to the place where he said, God, there's some stuff that your tender mercies will deal with, and I want you to deal with it. But there's some other sins as well. And God, I know it's going to take more than just a gentle rebuke for you to get down to that part of me. I know it's going to take more than just a tender touch for you to get down to that part of me. So God, when it comes to those sins, those secret sins, those hidden sins, those perpetual sins, would you allow your holiness to trample me underfoot? Would you grind me against the rocks? Would you crush me with the weight of your righteousness until those iniquities that are so embedded within me would be removed from my life? Gentleness isn't going to get it. I felt your gentle tug many, many times, and it didn't touch it. I didn't allow it to touch it. So would you crush me? Would you allow your holiness and your righteousness to trample me? Because the place where God is trying to get us to cannot be contained or obtained by repenting of most sins. We can only get there if we repent of all sins. So the question is this. Can we pray what David prayed? I hope we understand right now the seriousness of this moment right here and right now. I want us to understand the severity of what is happening in our midst right here and right now are not plugged in right now. You need to be so. The Lord is speaking to us. Can we pray what David prayed? But what do we do? And I'm one of us. So many times we want to try to experience everything God has for us when we know there's issues in our heart that nobody else knows about but us. And we want to do great things for God. And we want to see harvest. And we shout about revival. When we know good and well, there's things in our life that we're not dealing with. We're not dealing with. And so the reality is this. And the question is this. Can we get to a place in our lives where we move beyond praying for his tender mercies? And we pray move beyond praying for his loving kindness and we get to the place where we can truly say, wash me, wash me, wash me. And David would write this next in Psalms 51 and 3, he said, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Notice now. The reason why that sin is going to require so much more of a divine brokenness than the other sins that God has been able to deal with us in the past about is because our will and our passion and our desires. uh, uh, He's got to break our will and break our passion and break our desires. And the reason it's going to take so much more is because we have allowed those things to operate unchecked in our lives for so long unchecked, unchecked for so long. We've covered over it for so long. We have made excuses for it for so long. We've made allowances for it for so long. It's not that we didn't know it was there. We knew it was there. We just didn't want to do anything about it. Nobody else may have known about it, husband, wife, kids, pastor, leaders. Nobody else may have known about it, but we knew about it. But we just were not willing to truly change. We got convicted about it. We prayed about it a little bit. But we knew it wasn't real. We knew we were probably just going to go right back to that thing. But now, now the psalmist, the psalmist, and hopefully me, and hopefully you, acknowledged our transgressions. And our sin is no longer hidden. He said, I have acknowledged my transgression and my sin is ever before me. It doesn't mean it's always before me. It means now it is before me. I've brought it out into the open now. I've got, I am now face to face with it. Where before I would hide it back in a back room somewhere. And I'd put it back in a place where nobody else could see and where nobody else would know about it. But now I've went back to that back room and I've picked it up and I've brought it now. And it is now in the open. Uh. Psalms 90 and 8, thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sin in the light of thy countenance. Lord, I'm no longer hiding this. Lord, I'm no longer covering over this. I am bringing out my secret sin into the light of your countenance, into the light of your holiness, into the light of your righteousness. It's been hiding in the dark for so long, but now I want the, the light of your divine presence and the light of your divine righteousness to shine upon this dark thing. Now, O oh Lord, will you allow me to encounter whatever you determine is necessary to deal with the sin? You see, that's a hard prayer right there. Come on, church. I need you now, okay? That is a hard prayer right there. We'll come up and we'll pray about a little bit and we'll nibble around the edges of it a little bit. But can we pray the prayer that David prayed? God, whatever you have to do, break me, trample me, rock my world, whatever you have to do. Here it is. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it from the dark place and I'm bringing it to the light of you. Now, you do whatever you have to do in my life in order for me to overcome this thing. It's hindered me for too long, it's held me back for too long. It's kept me from that place of true obedience and true submission for too long. That place, that place, that place you're talking to our church about. That place that you want us to get to. This sin has kept me from that place for so long. So God, in this day and in this moment, as I hear you leading this church, I don't want to be on the sidelines looking in. I don't want to be up in the stands looking down on what you're doing. I want to be right in the middle of it. So I'm praying. I I wish, I wish, I wish your tender mercies could deal with it, but I know it's beyond that now. I know I've, 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 I have frustrated your tender mercies, but God, I give you permission now to do whatever you got to do. that place for here's what we got to do proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13 he that covereth his sins shall not prosper but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy what does confess mean many people think that confession means to plead with God for forgiveness that's not what it means To confess our sins does not mean to beg God to forgive you or even ask God to forgive you. That's not what confess means. Confess means to say the same thing. So what does that mean? When we finally get to the place where we begin to say the same thing about our sin as what God says about our sin that is when he's going to be released to forgive us and make us clean. How many know that when it comes to these deep-rooted issues in our lives, they are deep-rooted because we have made excuses for them? Oh, hallelujah. They're deep-rooted for a reason. They're deep-rooted because we've we've hid them. They're deep-rooted because we made excuses for them. They're deep-rooted because we've downplayed them. It's well, We act like it's no big deal. We pretend like it's not really affecting anything. Oh, it's not really affecting my home. It's not affecting my marriage. It's not affecting my whatever, my ministry, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's not really affecting anything. And so we make excuse after excuse after excuse. And we say about our sin something completely different than what God thinks about our sin. and We try to hide it. But what the Lord is trying to talk to us about in this room tonight is this. Will you and I be willing to get to the place where we can confess our sin? Where we can get to the place where we begin to call our sin just like what God calls it. We begin to view our sin just like God views our sin. We begin to deal with our sin just like he dealt with our sin, which is to crucify it. First John chapter 1 and verse 8, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Come on, church folks. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins if we get to the place where we begin to say the same thing about our sin that God says about our sin, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, is there anybody glad about it? God will forgive us of our sin, but we have to confess our sin. We got to stop hiding our sins. I know we're not running the house tonight, but God's helping us. We've got to stop sugarcoating our sins. We've got to stop blaming other people for our sins. We've got to stop deflecting the blame for our sins. Well, if it wasn't for this person or that person, I wouldn't do this, that, and the other. No, 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 no. That's not how God views it. It's our sin. It's our sin. Oh, hallelujah, because the Bible just tells, told us that when he, we get to that place where we confess it, the Lord is faithful and just. I love this, to cleanse us from most unrighteousness. Come on, somebody shout it. Come on, somebody shout it hear me now under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The enemy has been telling you that you're always going to do what you're doing. You're always going to fail in that area that you're failing in. The enemy has been telling you that there's no hope for you. The enemy has been telling you that you're always going to be that way. You're always going to participate in that sin. That you are totally bound to that thing. You'll never be free from that thing. You'll never be delivered from it. But my Bible is telling me and it's telling you that if you begin to call it like God calls it, and if you begin to see it like God sees it. And if you truly ask God, wash me, crush me, do whatever you gotta do to deal with me in this manner, the Bible says that he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness, no matter what it is, no matter how long the secret sin has been there, five years, 10 years, 20 years of struggle, 20 years of condemnation, it doesn't matter. If you begin to see it like he sees it, he can forgive you of all unrighteousness. Come on, put your hands together. Give him praise. Look at what the psalmist writes next. Is everybody all right? Psalms 51 and 4. He says, God, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. What does he say? No more excuses. My sin has been against you. I've done this evil in your sight. End of story. I'm done with my reasons. I'm done with my excuses. I have sinned, and my sin is against you. It's not about my mother. It's not about my father. It's not about what my uncle did. It's not about my neighborhood. It's not about my upbringing. It's not about this, that, or the other. I have sinned, and it is against you. Now watch. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. In other words what he's saying is this. God, whatever you have to do in order to deal with these sins in my life, I just want you to know that I will view you as being justified to do so. Whatever judgment looks like, whatever the crushing process looks like, whatever you have to do in my life to deal With this hidden thing. I just want you to know, I release you to do it. You will be, this is a hard prayer. But how bad do we want to be delivered? How bad do we want to be in that place? I want you to know, Holy Ghost, that you will be justified in whatever you do to me if it's what's required. For me to live in liberty If it is something That is not pleasant to my flesh You are justified In doing it If it requires pain You are justified In doing it If you crush me against the rocks Because that's what it's going to take For me to be To walk in liberty For the first time in 20 years If it takes a crushing time In my life I want you to know that in the middle of it all, I'm not going to blame you. In the middle, in the middle of it all, I'm not going to criticize your actions in my life. In the middle of it all, I'm not going to doubt you. I'm not going to get disappointed in you. I'm not going to say, "Why would a good God allow this stuff to happen in my life?" No, I'm going to say, "You are justified in whatever you have to do in order to get me to the place." want me to be so then the psalmist continues 51 and 6 behold thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom the hidden part the hidden part the part that I've been hiding from everybody else he said God I want you to put wisdom in there I don't want it to be failure and lies anymore I want it to be wisdom the inward part of me that nobody sees God, I want righteousness to dwell not just in the part of me that everybody sees, but I want righteousness to dwell in the inward part, the hidden part, the part that nobody knows about. I want righteousness to dwell in all of who I am. So how does the Lord get us to this place? And I'm going quick. But how does the Lord get us to this place? Verse 7, Psalms 51 and 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Ready? That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Notice, David is describing the washing here, this process. Taking the cloth and throwing it on the ground and stamping on it and trampling on it and beating it against the rocks because that's what it's going to take in order for that embedded dirt that had been there for so long to be removed from the cloth. And he says, Lord, he's describing it now, this purging process, this crushing of his will so that his will would align itself with God's will. And he describes it as the breaking of his bones. David knew he knew if that is what it takes come on jesus talk to somebody's heart right now talk to my heart right now if that is what it takes to get me to the place then break my bones he's not talking physically breaking of his bones. He was trying to describe what he went through, the process that it took in order for him to get to a place where those embedded things could be removed from him. And he describes it as his bones being broken, crushing. But he knew. He knew. See, it doesn't just stop with broken bones. He knew. He said, if I... If I will allow him to bring me through the place in my life that I could only best describe as my bones being broken, there's another side to it. And the other side is there's going to be a rejoicing. come on somebody hear me when you're living under condemnation you can't rejoice like you want to rejoice when you come to the house of God and you got that hidden sin in your life and you got that issue in your life that's been there for years and everybody's dancing and everybody's shouting and you're sitting there and you're not rejoicing like you want to rejoice I'm telling you there's a remedy for that now and it might be painful and it might be difficult but if you could ever get to the place where you pray God whatever you gotta do if you gotta break my bones to get me to the place of true freedom and true forgiveness and true liberty when I come through that stage of my life. When I come out on the other side, I'm gonna be able to rejoice like I've wanted to rejoice for a long time. I'm gonna be able to rejoice with a pure heart. I'm gonna be able to lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. I'm gonna be able to praise you and mean it. Rejoice and mean it. (laughs) Ha! <laughs> Oh, how many times do we come to the house of God and we have to repent and repent and repent for something and then worship starts and we see people with lifted hands but our hands feel like they weigh a 1,000 pounds because the enemy is condemning us of our failure and our hidden sin and our unrepented sin and we don't feel like we can rejoice. I'm here to tell you there's a remedy for that. I said there's a remedy for that. If you and I could get to the place where we say wash me, wash me me. Whatever you gotta do. Wash me, God. When we come through, yeah, our bones may feel like they've been broken. Our emotions might feel like they've been broken. Why? Because our will has to be broken, and our desires have to be broken, and our flesh has to be broken. But if we'll make it through the other side, when we come out on the other side, we're gonna be rejoicing. We're gonna be shouting. We're gonna be praising. Why? Because we're in the place. God wants just to be. I'm, I'm coming to a close. So he continues with his prayer of repentance, Psalms 51 and 9. Hide thy face from my sins, blot out all mine iniquities, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I know everybody's not going to be willing to pray this prayer, but somebody is. Whatever it takes, whatever you got to do, I want that hidden sin gone. And the next verse, all of this, all of this, all of this, everything I've been preaching, this next verse is what all of these messages of repentance have to do with letting our light shine. For after David deals with the hidden sin, and after he allows God to deal with him in whatever manner it was necessary to bring him to a place of true repentance, and after his sins are dealt with and his iniquity is taken care of and his spirit is renewed within him, that is then when he's able to accomplish this. Next verse, Psalms 51:13. Then then... Not before that. I couldn't do it before that. It took a washing. It took a breaking to remove junk out of my life. But I allowed him to go. I allowed myself to go through the process. Now, I can teach transgressors and sinners will be converted unto thee. What is that? That's harvest. Sinners being converted, teaching sinners the word of God. And they're going to be converted. Verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. You can't talk of his righteousness because you're living under so much condemnation. It's hard to talk about what's right when there's so much wrong. But now, now I've been delivered from the wrong. So now I can talk about the right. Verse 15, O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. It is after these experiences with the Lord. It's breaking, it's painful, yes, 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 yes. But it releases the dirt that has been so embedded within us Then we get to the place Now I can open my mouth And I can speak truth to sinners I can teach them I can show them I can preach righteousness to them I can win my world for Jesus Christ I couldn't do it before A revival of the church must come first. And then we'll see a harvest of the sinners. A revival of the church must come first. And it's not always easy. And it's not always pleasant. But it must happen first. And then we'll see the harvest. You believe that? would you stand? Micah 7:18 now watch who is a God like unto thee now, now watch what the word of the Lord is saying here this is important I know you're standing but just stay plugged in for a few more moments. who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. Thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. So he's the church. He's talking about us now and his people. And he's saying, listen, God's going to... Give us compassion and he's going to give us mercy. And if we'll do what we're supposed to do and repent and allow him to do whatever it takes, he'll take those sins and he'll cast them into the sea. We call it the sea of forgetfulness. He'll cast them far. He'll redeem us. He'll restore us. All of this stuff. But then watch the next verse, verse 20. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers, From the days of old. You know what this is saying? It's saying when the people of promise, you and I, get their sins dealt with, covered over, and forgiven, it releases God to perform what he has previously promised for years. You see that? You will perform the truth that the promise that you promised Jacob and the promise that you promised Abraham. He said, When the people of promise get their sins covered and dealt with, it releases me to fulfill age old prophecies. Brother Ron, there's prophecy hanging over this church. There's prophecy hanging over this church. I've lost track. Of how many people have prophesied over us of greater things and filled buildings and capacity and a harvest like we've never seen and on and on and on. There's age-old prophecies. Age-old prophecies resting over this church. I want you to get this and I'm done. I know you're tired, but get this. There's age-old prophecies resting, resting, resting. Waiting to be fulfilled god is waiting he's not a god that he should lie he spoke them for a reason he spoke them because he wanted to do them and they're hovering over us as a people right now and so you know what he says he said i can't just give them to him there's a place they got to get to and so he starts talking to us about our sins and he starts talking to us about our iniquities Because he says, if they will get those things dealt with, then I will speak to the prophetic and release it to become a reality. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to see it. I'm tired of prophecies hanging over us and not seeing them. I'm tired of the prophetic hovering over us and not seeing it. I want to see it. So what's it take? It's not just us shouting more. It's not just us dancing more. It's us as a people getting our sins dealt with, the embedded sins of our hearts dealt with, to be put in a place so that God can then say, now I speak to the prophetic, be released upon that church. That prophecy of 10 years ago now, Be released. That prophecy of 20 years ago, now, be released. That prophecy of last month, now, be released upon that people. The prophecies over you individually, now, be released over that people. (laughs) Amen. Soto Yelobokoto Yela Basata. Halarabo Soto yata Gata Yelobo Sotoya Halarobo Soto Yela Bokoto Sala. Halarobo Ha his word is not a fable. His word is not a fable. His promise is not a fable. His prophecy is not a fairy tale. He's spoken to us. He's going to do it. He wants to do it, but we have to partner with him. We have to be obedient to him in order for him to release what he's promised in our midst. Lift your hands. Come on, I feel a prophetic utterance resting upon us now. I feel I feel something I feel something hovering I feel something being released right now in this room Listen I'm not being rude but I can tell by some of your response you're not getting it you're ready to go home. You're tired. You just want out of here. But there's other people in this room right now that want it. You 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 want it. I'm tired. I'm tired of talking about it. I want to see 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 it. bokotoya. Whatever I got to do. God, whatever you got to do in me. It's not going to come because I just jump higher. It's not going to come because I clap louder. It's not going to come because of some new this or higher this or lights or mirror, whatever it is. It's not going to happen because of that. It's going to happen because there's a group of people in this church that humble themselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways. Clean ourselves, clear ourselves, clear our mind of all unrighteousness. Clear our hearts of all unrighteousness. Clear our homes of all unrighteousness. Clean out everything that's not pleasing to God. Become more like God every day and less like us. Walk in the spirit so we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And release God. Release God to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever we have to do. In order for that deep-seated thing in us to be removed. Bitterness, anger, resentment, hurt, jealousy.